Thank you very much for coming on to the Granite Zero podcast. No worries, Tom. My um, my pleasure. Looking forward to having a chat. Oh, definitely, definitely. And as most of uh, my listeners are aware, I am a United fan. So actually, having a former United player is actually a bit of a dream come true. Really, I've, there's so many that I've uh, tried to get on before, and you know, scheduling conflicts and things like that. They're all like, "No, nah, I can't do it." But no, totally appreciate all your time. No worries again. No worries at all. Good to um, good to have a chat with a United fan. That's for sure. Not going too well at the minute. Hopefully, um, things Ooh, yeah. will pick up in the new year. Yeah, it's it's one thing I said. So my brother's an Arsenal fan, and uh, my brother-in-laws are all Arsenal fans as well. So they're 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 giving it all big licks at the minute. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I just go. Well, it's about time that I had this period in my life. So growing up throughout the 90s and obviously the noughties and then a little bit of the 10s, I was like, I was spoiled. I've literally no, yeah. watched Man United win everything. So I'm entitled to have a bit of banter. <laughs> no, yeah, 100%. Hopefully. It's been a while, though, and it's in left. It's been not been um, as successful as we would have hoped, but it all works in circles, doesn't it? I'm sure we'll be um, back yeah, up definitely. there before. Definitely. One thing that I've I've really noticed and and it's really it, it gets to me a little bit is the fact that the the style of football actually changed as well. I know all managers are, are slightly different. I remember Man United being a joy to watch, even even when it like especially the end of the nineties and in through the noughties, you know, they they never never say die attitude that the teams had. Yeah. And now it's like, well come on. You're wearing the Manchester United kit. You should want to. You've got seventy six thousand people watching you play football, and you're just strolling around. That's what really fucks me off. Pardon my French. <laughs> yeah, I think the game has changed a lot. Obviously, it's a lot different to how it was back when that them incredible teams that you talk about in the late nineties, early two thousands, and then the the late noughties as well. And I think it is sort of the game in general probably hasn't got them characters as much yeah, as it had then and that's something that is sort of missing within football a lot at the moment I think. Yeah definitely so let's take a, a trip back so was United the, the first call that you had because you came through the youth system did you not or have I just made that up? Yeah yeah so I grew up in um in Cambridge here so a little village in Cambridge sort of done really well at football as a young kid scored a lot of goals believe it or not got sort of scouted by a few Different teams ended up going on trial, were sort of the local ones at Cambridge United, Norwich, Ipswich, before ending up signing when I was 13 for for Arsenal, which sort of saw me train at, at Arsenal once a week at an indoor place at Highbury, joined to the stadium and play for them on a Sunday. At the same time, I was playing for the Cambridge schools team, so my area team on a Saturday, and again, scored a lot of goals, and that's where Man United first watched me play, invited me up for a trial, travelled up to Manchester, one school holidays, and then absolutely fell in love with a place and signed there as a schoolboy. That's fucking awesome. That's what I, it's Those type of things, I was like, I wish I had that little bit extra at football, you know, because fo football has always been my love. It's always been a passion. I've never been the greatest footballer. been all right. I've played a decent sort of level, sort of West Midlands level. But, you know, having someone to come and watch you and go, yeah, even if for any team, but someone, especially during that time. Yeah. That, it, so well, that would have been, 
that obviously what was that late 90s so that would have been that would have been sort of mid 90s sort of 94 mm. 95 when so, i signed there when i was 14 and then until i left school at 16 i'd used to just get the train up there on a friday finish school early on a friday travel up to yeah. manchester come home on the sunday play for the for my age group team or in the A and B team on a Saturday morning and then a Sunday morning come home and then when I left school at sixteen I moved up into digs and started my yeah, YT yeah. it was called back then. That, that's fucking awesome. That's awesome. Cause uh, obviously that would have been just after the the obviously the the famous class of ninety two and then in steps Luke Chadwick <laughs> well, didn't quite have the same, um, not quite the same impact as the class '92, but I think at that time, sort of all the best kids in the country were signing for United because people could see that they were given their opportunity. I think massive role models to all us young players were the likes of yeah, yeah. Ryan Giggs, David Beckham, the Neville brothers, Nicky Butt, Paul Scholes, and it made you feel like. This is a place to be. You might get your opportunity. Obviously, I did get a little bit of an opportunity, not as much as them players who had glittering careers there, but to have sort of played one minute for Manchester United was probably more than I ever dreamt yeah, of doing growing up. So it was um, an incredible experience being being at the club at such a successful time as well. Yeah. So did you feel a lot of pressure, or were you just still in that sort of teenage bubble where you're like? I'm just playing football for Man United, or did you feel like I've got all these players that came before me? I think United hold the record of having a youth player since like 1970 something up until now. They've got at least one youth player playing. That's yeah. a hell of a record to have. And then you've got, you're, as you said, you're 16 years old, you're coming through the ranks, and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'll be I think. Opportunity. The- Look, when I first went up there as a schoolboy at 14, 15, I was incredibly sort of shy, incredibly introverted and was obviously buzzing that Man United wanted me to go up there, but at the same time, quite scared and nervous as well. But the second that I got there, I'd never experienced anything like it. The environment and culture, you were made to feel so welcome. Everyone seemed so pleased to see you. Everyone was so happy to be at the club and I just fell in love with it. So in terms of feeling pressure. I never felt that as a schoolboy, as a youth team player sort of coming through. I think you you feel it a little bit more when you start training with the first team, when you're yeah, 18 yeah. years old, you feel a bit nervous, feel a bit of pressure, but that's part of the game really. I think in terms of my early time of playing a few games for the club, we were winning most weeks. I was having a decent enough impact when I was coming on as a sub most of the time. So it was sort of riding the the crest of a wave to a certain extent in that first season when I was in and around the first team. So in terms of pressure, I think you've got that innocence of youth, like you mentioned before, where you don't feel it that much. You're just sort of in a bubble and you're just along for the ride, really. Yeah, I get that. It's as though you're still in that, yeah, as you said, like the bubble. You're still in the bubble of... I'm playing the sport I love. I've been picked by one of the best teams in the country. I'm, <laughs> as 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 us in the military would say in in a tongue in cheek way, I'm living the dream. But you literally were living the dream. What what was it like getting that call to say that you're getting called? Dude, when I sort of signed there 
as a schoolboy, like I was absolutely buzzing. Then obviously moved up there full time. I wasn't one of the probably one of the best players in that sort of under 16 team when we were getting decided whether we were going to get a YTS or get released. So I wasn't definitely going to get one. I didn't have a professional contract there. So when I got that, that was a, a massive sort of high. And then when I signed my first professional contract, it was like one of them where you couldn't believe it. I was sort of, didn't have much money growing up. Obviously weren't sort of poor or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. But didn't get, weren't yeah. rich and was earning 30, £34 a week, I think it was, at a YTS. <laughs> yeah, signed for a professional contract and wages went up to £500 a week and I thought I was an absolute <laughs> millionaire. I couldn't believe how much money they were giving me to play football. Yeah. So, yeah, the feeling of sort of signing a contract was was massive to to sort of get that as a, as a young player. Yeah, definitely. And then... Obviously, you've gone from signing that first professional contract. You're you're in and amongst the team. What was it like being around those sort of those players? So the like, so for for example, my hero is Roy Keane. I love yeah. Roy Keane, and obviously he was the captain at that time. The extension of Sir Alex, and having just those two around, I'm a, I can't even put it into words what that would feel like. I don't even know what it'd be like to even meet them. You know, I think I'd go clam up and go all funny. Yeah, I think like I, what happened with, in my case, I went on loan when I finished in the youth team to, to yeah. Belgium. So I went and played for Royal Antwerp and was out there for about seven months sort of playing there, then got called back to Manchester. And that's when I was put in the first team squad. And I remember sort of the first training session, maybe a little bit sloppy, gave the ball away a couple of times. And Roy Keane went absolutely <laughs> at me, shouting at me, calling me every name under the sun. And I thought, flipping heck, I weren't sort of expecting that. But then after the session, he come and spoke to me and explained the reason he'd done that, because like if they're going to win trophies, they're going to win games every week, everyone's standards have got to be high. Yeah. So whether it was me that was giving the ball away being sloppy or David Beckham or Ryan Giggs, he would be on them because he wanted the standard sky high and he was sort of the ultimate captain in terms of yeah, his the... were on it every day, put everything into every training session and because he done that as a captain, everyone else done it and that's where the standards were, were so yeah. high. Obviously, that came from Sir Alex, the manager as well, and it was um, like such an incredible like intense culture and environment that you were part of. And it was a, a winning culture, obviously, because of the success they had at that time. Yeah, that I like I, I like to see that. And and uh, as we sort of said at the start, football has changed. You don't tend to see those types of captains anymore. But we'll, we'll take Bruno, for example. He, he likes to piss and a moan while he's playing. He's he's very he's very technically gifted. He's a very he's a uber talented player but yeah. i look at him and i'm like you're you're not the captain that i see as a as a united fan growing up we, i was spoiled again robson bruce keen cantona well even cantona to some extent wasn't a shouter in a and a, he, he led by example on the pitch i i, I generally watched a, a highlight of him from the charity shield in 99 no 96 sorry because he didn't play in 99 that was a lie. So 96 against Newcastle. And I sent it to my buddy and I just went, I know it's I know it's only the charity shield. I went, but just look how good Eric Cantona was. Yeah. And I was like, and he was like, yeah. Cause uh, and it winds me up these days with everybody 
everybody is fixated on stats. It's no, like yeah. if you look, even down to if you look at Zidane's stats when he's probably playing, his stats wouldn't be like all singing, all dancing because he's trying to win the game. He's trying to pass forwards. He's doing all this, but players seem to be transfixed on on stats these days. And you know, hearing hearing what you were saying there about about uh, Kino and how intense and. I'm doing it on the training pitch. You see me doing it. This is the level you want. I want you at. I'm leading by example because this is how we should be playing. And that mu- that must have just like sat with you the the your whole of your career, really. Oh, without a doubt, I think the lessons learned at at Manchester United are lessons that I'll never forget. That have stood me in good stead going away throughout my football career, post football career, and I think that all came from sort of the manager and sort of what he expected within within that football club. And it was all about that. It was more the the life skills that, that you learnt there that I remember yeah, yeah. More than the football skills and what was expected of being a, a Manchester United player and having sort of humility, being honest, being hardworking. And that's what the whole club was built around at that time. And I think the players within that squad sort of were an extension, like you said about Roy Keane, but I think all of those players were an extension of the manager and what he wanted, as well as uh, the coaching staff and everyone there as well. And I think what was so different back then was Sir Alex ran the whole club, like from everyone would want to run through a brick wall for Sir Alex because of the person that he was and the way that he treated you. And it was the same with it's, speak to the kit men, the dinner ladies, with the same respect he'd he'd speak to Ryan Giggs or David Beckham. And that, like, everyone wanted to be on on his team and sort of he was the leader and you recognise that. I think that's changed to a certain extent. For example, when I went up on trial at 14 years old, I was up there for a week, played a game before I came home. When I got home, my mum picked me up from the train station and Sir Alex had phoned her up and asked if Jesus. I'd sign for the club. And like when you hear that, there's only one place you... Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, it wasn't just me. It'd do that for everyone. I've been, as a first-team player at, at Carrington, there'd be a group of under-12, under-13 academy players and Sir Alex would come in and know every one of their names, know a little detail about them. And it was that attention to detail on the the human being more so than the the talented yeah. footballer that got everyone wanting to pull in the same direction and whatever organisation you're in, whatever industry you're in, if everyone's pulling in the same direction, you're going to yeah. be incredibly successful. Definitely. And you can sort of see where that's lost now. Like even down to with uh, Ten Hag, where he's not taking any shit from, from players, for, for Jaden Sancho, for example. And... Um, People have forgotten that he did a lot for Jaden in terms of sending him off to to the Netherlands to help with his mental health and, and things like that. And that's all lost. It's like, well, no, no, he kicked him out of the team. I was like, no, we didn't know, did he? He dropped him because he wasn't training properly. And then it's all escalated. And it's like, I obviously being spoiled, as we said, I look back and what Sir Alex used to drop players if they weren't training correctly. Or if they've spoke back to him, or or, or whatever. Like before Beckham left to uh, Madrid, he was dropped several times 
for, yeah. for attitude and, and things like that and things that Sir Alex didn't like. Maybe it's a different time because of social media and things like that. But you would never go back. Even even now, in like my regular job, you don't talk back to the manager if he's if he's made a a decision that is vital for the team, for for work or whatever. You don't come back at him like that. You like on on social media or whatever. You come and have a meeting. It might be a one way conversation, but you come and have a meeting. You don't. Yeah. I I just think in this day and age with with social media and things like that, it all gets completely blown out of proportion and and it, it can actually go on to in, on to the next sort of um thing I would like to talk to you about in a second but obviously everybody is now in contact with players and they think yeah. they can say they they can say whatever they want now, the reason why I say that sort of comes into the next part is because obviously you you had a lot of shit when you were when you were coming up if you don't mind me talking about it yeah, no, no, hundred percent. Yeah, and it was something that that affected me like really negatively, and I was probably mm. sort of going into to football, being a Manchester United player, probably something that I wasn't completely expecting. Even when I moved up there, I knew that it was going to be really hard to to get into the first team, and when it happened, probably rather naively, just thought it was all about football. And when yeah, yeah, sort of the experiences and challenges that I went through were. <coughs> probably nothing to do with football and that's what I found incredibly hard and found that, that it really did affect me in a negative way because I didn't know how to defend myself. I could defend myself yeah, yeah. if someone said I was rubbish at football, fair enough. That's sort of yeah. what I'm doing. I'm putting myself out there playing football. But when it was more about my appearance, I didn't really know sort of how to deal with it and to us, well, suffered in silence really, and never. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Spoke about it because I was so embarrassed and ashamed that. Yeah. That I felt the way that I felt. Yeah, I I can actually like sympathise with that. So, uh, growing up, myself, myself, I was always, uh, I was quite slight. I put on quite a bit of weight when I actually hit puberty, which was good. I was always very small. I had quite mousy features, big ears, big teeth. I, when I was hitting puberty, spotty, all that sort of stuff, and I used to get, I used to get quite. I didn't really see it as bullying when I was a kid because it was like, oh, it's kids being kids. But yeah, I, I was picked on a lot for for my appearance, and I was like, this is fucking. Like now, I'm like, well, if someone says anything to me now, I'm just, I'll defend myself. But you know, back then, I was like, Ugh. especially playing football as well. I I actually had to basically formulate a different persona when I played football because I was because I'm only five six as well so I was five six skinny at the time I was like well people are going to target me I'm going to have to have a bit of a persona here of not taking any shit on the football pitch yeah and that's sort and that lasted with me even even to now I, I still don't take any shit but I'm, I'm a lot bigger now so people bounce off me so that's, uh, yeah, that's yeah. even better but it but that was just a handful of kids it must have been awful having it from from thousands of fans and not only that I, I i believe it was wasn't it um they think it's all over used to yeah so I think that, well. that, that's what was the thing like although obviously not nice to hear when you're in a football stadium that was never that big an issue for me because 
that's what I love doing. Whether people yeah, yeah, and, and obviously you were winning at the time as well. <laughs> yeah, and just being on the football pitch. So obviously it was it's not nice, but it didn't. It was more sort of like you at school. I had teeth that stuck out, spotty face. People had sort of taken the mickey out of me, but I could defend myself, say something back to them. I think where I really struggled with the the stuff in the media and the newspapers on the TV was I just felt completely alone and I couldn't yeah myself I didn't know what to do there was nothing I could say and felt in my mind the whole world millions of people that were watching the show or reading stuff about me were laughing at me and it it felt so sort of I I just couldn't if I was so embarrassed about it but I I get you say anything about it so it got to the point where I wouldn't want to go out the house because in my mind I'd I just thought everyone was laughing at me. And in, in reality, yeah. it wasn't the case, but I just built it up so much. And it was um, yeah. like a really, a really tough time. Yeah, it must have, it must have been. And, and as you said, you're probably building it up more than it was. And you want people to be talking about how you played on Saturday or midweek in the Champions League or in the FA Cup or whatever. But they're like, oh, no, did you hear what the joke they said on? They think it's all over. It's like, geez, fucking hell. And I, and I, and I, I get it. It, it it also does like a bit of a circle. It, it's a joke, mate. You're supposed to take it as a joke. It was like, yeah, yeah. but sometimes, sometimes they're just not funny. <laughs> Do you yeah, know what I mean? I think it, like, it was the fact that it was sort of a joke. It was sort of schoolboy humour. If it, like, don't yeah. get me wrong, as a kid growing up, I watched the show and they were probably saying stuff about other people and I would have laughed yeah. a lot myself. But it was more the fact that I just didn't know how to deal with it. And because it was sort of that schoolboy banter, I didn't understand why it made me, I thought there was something wrong with me because it hurt me so much. And the reason for that was just being unable to to defend myself and just think in my mind, the only reason people know anything about me is because of the way that I looked. And that was it really. And just the embarrassment and shame that that brought inside myself made it, sort of a really challenging sort of six months yeah, or whatever. I bet. I bet. And of course, back then as well, it was at that sort of time where, well, even now it's still sort of frowned upon to talk about mental health issues and problems. But even back then you'd be like, well, I'm not going to go to to the gaffer and go, oh, I'm feeling a bit fucking down here. Someone's laughing at me. No. Like, I couldn't imagine knocking on Sir Alex's. I'm sure he'd have fucking brought you in and had a chat, but you know, I couldn't imagine just knocking on his door. But yeah, and hundred percent. Saying, and saying, and saying it, something like, like that. It was one like where the the sort of sort of person that I was, was sort of very introverted, very quiet. It was never mm. sort of in my makeup to to talk about my feelings and how it was making me feel. I wouldn't even speak about my about it to my girlfriend, my mum, my dad, my family. I just like I say, just suffer in silence. I'm pretty sure yeah. if I did bring it up to the club at Manchester United, I would have got support and been oh, sort definitely. of able to bring it up. Especially, yeah, especially back then, it, as you as you said, it seemed like it was more of a family than a than a 100%. club at that at that time. Where where now, you know, nowadays at, at United, it seems like it's all going wrong. As as we said, um, I think even. Um, Gary Neville mentioned the other day, I think it was on Sky Sports, he was forever telling players to go and sign for United the, the fantastic culture that it has there, it's a brilliant place to grow up as a football player and he's now saying 
I wish I hadn't told some of these players that. And I was like, it's heartbreaking right. because obviously, for for me living living the way I did, I was like, ah, oh, I, I I still love it. I would never change. It's I say to my missus all the time. She's like, why would you put yourself through it? And I went, at the minute, I don't like Man United, but I love them still. Exactly. <laughs> but obviously, you 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 moved uh, you moved about a bit uh, club wise. You had you had a spell at the mighty West Ham as well. Yeah. That must have been a different culture. <laughs> yeah, so in terms of sort of like coming away from United, had a, a got in the team, played a few games, then suffered a few injuries. Was told that there was there wasn't a pathway for me there, which is obviously hard to hear. But at the same time, I appreciated the honesty and was like, it was never a wrench leaving United. I, I loved mm. my time there; I had an incredible time. But at the same time, knew that. I wasn't for me to play football or be a proper footballer. I had to go and find a, a journey elsewhere. Went on a couple of loans to Excuse Reading me. and Burnley. When I was at Reading, I worked under Alan Pardew was my manager, and then he signed me for West Ham. At the time, me and my girlfriend had just had our first baby, so I'm from Cambridge, so it meant I could move home, have the, yeah, yeah. the closer, back yeah. home where we had friends and family and whatnot, and like really loved it at West Ham. It was a proper football club. Obviously, Man United's on another level, but West Ham was a fantastic place to be. Incredible atmosphere at Upton Park. Sort yeah, of the games I was going to say, you, you played at the proper stadium as well. Incredible, <laughs> incredible. Sort of, but certainly, sort of got told the same as top clubs at United by the fans, if you weren't sort of pulling your weight and you weren't playing well, yeah, we yeah. were sort of told, told as a team and like didn't, have a brilliant season. The squad that we had, we probably should have won the league. We obviously had some brilliant, brilliant players there at the time, but ended up going up in the the playoffs back into the Premier League, which ended ended up being probably the worst thing that could happen for me because then the club went out and signed some yeah, much yeah. more talented players than me, and it meant I was surplus to requirements. So I only had a season at West Ham, but I really enjoyed it. It was a, like a proper football club. Yeah, yeah. So it. So here's a question for you. Which which was better to walk out to? Old Trafford or Upton Park coming out with I, the fans? Always <laughs> been like that was where that's where I've been. Good before. answer. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously that was always the goal to to actually walk out there and like Old Trafford. Don't like Upton Park was incredible. I'm very, very grateful. I had the opportunity yeah, yeah. Old Trafford is completely different to to play a game there is something that you you only ever dream of. I mean, for for me, just going to up to Manchester to go and watch. Um, I was fortunate to watch quite a quite a few games in the in the mid nineties and and noughties. Uh, my dad used to be able to get tickets to the Champions League matches, so at, at the time I didn't realise how a big a deal it was being it being a being about nine or ten. Still got all the programs now. I've got all the programs from. The build up to the '99 actual uh, treble winning season. I've got the programs in there. Inter Milan, Barcelona. I've been to. I went to watch all these games at the time. I was like, oh, I'm just watching a game of football. I love it. Now I'm like, I wish I'd like paid more attention. <laughs> <laughs> but even being in the in the in the stadium as a fan, I get I get goosebumps when the crowd yeah. starts cheering. So I can't even imagine walking out 
to 76,000, 76, I think it is. That must be that must be something else. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember my first time ever sort of coming on as a sub. It was probably about two minutes left against Middlesbrough in the Premier League. I think we won 1-0 or 2-1. And just uh, sort of that feeling when you stood at the side of the pitch, desperate for the ball to go off. I'm thinking the ball's not going to go off. The ref's going to blow his <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get the chance to get on the pitch. But that feeling of, of walking on that pitch is like incredible, even to play a, a youth team game there or whatever it's. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so special walking out onto the well, the theatre of dreams. That's that's certainly what it is. Did you did you get to play in any of the really sort of close games where you could feel the crowd sort of lifting you up? Yeah, I think it like it. It was always a little bit like you say. You went to the Champions League game. It always felt a little bit more special in them mm. Champions League games. Obviously, the the Champions League was. Obviously, it's still massive now, but it felt so different back then. It was so important. You could feel the importance of it. Yeah. You could feel a slight change in the the atmosphere. There was a little bit more edge to it because everyone was desperate to, to win that European Cup. So you certainly sort of noticed it in them European games, maybe a little bit more than the, the Premier League games on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I bet. What was it like scoring your first goal then? I actually got the video clip, wasn't it, against Bradford? Was that, was that your Bradford, yeah. I, I remember um, coming on in that game. We um, we weren't playing particularly well, drawing nil nil all at half time. I remember in the dressing room at half time, there was a bit of an argument between Roy Keane and Ryan Giggs. I think they had a bit of a, a go at each other. Then near the start of the second half, the manager sort of told me to get warmed <laughs> up. And I went on soon after coming on, that their goalkeeper was... Gary Walsh, the former United keeper, and he had an absolute yeah, yeah. stinker and Teddy scored to make it 1-0. And then probably about 10 minutes later, I made a run through the middle. Beckham sent me through, left foot, bottom corner. It was when the ball hit the net. I, mean, I can't believe I sort of finished it so well because it was on my left foot. That weren't very strong. With ball, <laughs> yeah. it was, um, a feeling that I'll never forget. I didn't really know what what to do when I scored the goal. Sort of started running towards the crowd, celebrating, then turned round and then got em embraced by my um, teammates. But yeah, it was something Carl. I'll definitely never forget yeah, scoring yeah, a definitely. Goal for Man United. Definitely. Definitely. And one thing I so I was going through some of the from the highlight clips when I was uh putting out the post to say that you were coming on. And there's a bit in the game where you nutmeg, I think it's the right fullback, and he he takes you out afterwards. I was like, fuck it. Just that little bit of skill. You you sort of get the ball and you do a little run and he's coming at you and it's like, whoop, have some of that. Megs. And he just fucking wipes you out. I was like, he's got a bit of, he's got a bit of skill, this old chad is. He's got a bit of skill. Yeah, I think it was more of a sort of a knock and run. Use my um, pace, but it was that's, always... That's, that's exactly how I used to play before I started putting on the all this weight. Yeah, but it was certainly very different in terms of some of the tackles that you'd receive back then had probably oh, yeah. been a red card these days in how the um, how the game is now. Yeah, it, yeah. Again, the game's changing, and obviously, you get. I saw I saw some of these tackles. I remember, I, yeah, I like I like to go back in time because obviously it's a bit more joyful for me being a United fan. And I watched some highlight things. I think I watched one game, and it was mid nineties. It was United wearing their uh, yellow and green kit yeah. against Wimbledon. 
And the amount of times Cantona and Keane were walloped by fucking Vinnie Jones and all the other crazy gang. They were just going through them. I was like, these are all red cards. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. You just, you just man up and get on with it. Definitely. You, so you took, uh, you ended up going to MK Dons, wasn't it? That was the longest, was that the longest you stayed at one club? Yeah, so after I left West Ham, I went to Stoke. Then from Stoke to Norwich and from Norwich to, to MK Dons, I think at the time I was absolutely buzzing. I had a good time at Stoke, but my family didn't really settle there and we were looking to yeah. get back towards the Cambridgeshire area. So when Norwich came in, it was like a dream dream move. Biggest oh, yeah, of course. Family. Yeah, yeah. Sort of travelling from home, but suffered a really quite serious injury in my debut. And after that, I could never get myself fit. So going to MK Dons, I, I actually asked my agent to speak to them because it was so close to Cambridge. It was a 40-minute drive and it, it was somewhere where I settled really well. It was a lovely place to go to play football. My children could come and watch me play in a, a nice stadium. It was um sort of easy. Everything about it was was nice really. The chairman was a great guy. I worked with some great managers while in my time there, including Paul Ince, who was someone yeah, yeah. that I respected greatly and thought was a fantastic player. So it was great to to play under him. Great teammates. So yeah, really enjoyed my time at MK Dons, where probably I was the most sort of settled throughout my career in both a sort of personal and professional side. Yeah. So because De- Deli Ali came from MK Dons, didn't he? Yeah. Was it was it was he playing when, when you were when you were there or had you retired by then? Yeah, so he was playing. He was probably the one that retired me, to be fair, when he <laughs> came into the team. He was um, sort of an incredible talent started training with us at the we've been the first team when we were still at the school, probably at fifteen, sixteen years old. And I think it's plain to see the charisma, the attitude to go, the athleticism where like he was a, a great shape and size with great feet, great skills. He he had the lot as a as a kid coming through and was an exceptional talent. Yeah, it, it definitely was. And it's a shame that he had all those inner demons with it with his uh upbringing that he, he, he shared with um was it was it Gary Neville he shared it with? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I like sort um, of seeing that is obviously Upsetting yeah. someone that you come up with and you had no idea, sort of yeah, I know, knowing the, the, the past. I, I remember, I remember talking to a buddy of mine who's a, a Spurs fan, and I remember myself personally, even though I'm, I'm someone who suffers quite badly with mental health issues. I remember saying, "Oh, what a fucking waste of talent! What's he doing? Why is he yeah. throwing his career away?" And you don't think at the time to go, "There might be something else going on here." And it wasn't until the Gary Neville interview I was like, "Jesus Christ." There was something going on. That's and yeah. you can sort of see why. And I think Everton are doing a, a great job in in managing his mental health now and trying to get him back to where he was because he was a fantastic football player. Some of the goals he scored against United, yeah, brilliant, outrageous. Brilliant. And you you hope that he's so you know, like you say there, you you never know what's going on behind the scenes, do you? And sort of no. a lot of people thinking where what's happened, where's he gone, and when he says. What he says, and obviously has dealt with so much in in the past. You just hope that now he gets himself fit and back into the Everton team because, like you say, he's um, like a wonderful footballer when he's when he's fully fit. 
Yeah, he, he definitely is. And there, there's so many like that. Again, as much as much as I'm on uh, Ten Hag's side with with what he did, another one, Jaden Sancho. What he's a fantastic talent. He's a talented football player. There's a lot going on with him, whether it's his attitude towards training and things like that. I don't know. I'm not in the in the training sessions with him. Um, but he had so much potential to do wonderful things at Manchester United. And it just, yeah. and even, even he's, he's come on for uh, Dortmund on the weekend and got an assist. It's like, what it, it just, it boggles me why people can't put the same effort in. I don't know if it's, if it's down to the manager's tactics or the, or, or what, but it seems like there's so many players that I've seen that have all the talent. They go into Manchester United and it all seems to just fizzle out. Pogba's another one. I've seen Paul yeah. Pogba play some absolutely fantastic games of football for Manchester United. But then you watch him when he played for Juventus and you're like, that's a completely different player. No, it is. I think it, like sometimes it's the right place, right time. You have yeah. to sort of fit into a structure. Obviously, Jaden was incredible for Borussia Dortmund. That's why he got the, the move to Manchester United, but it's never really been able to to settle and find con- consistency yeah. in the game. There was obviously issues with the manager that you don't know what that what's happened there behind closed doors. You want him to have a brilliant career because he is a, a special talent, whether that's at Manchester United or it is elsewhere. And obviously he's gone back to somewhere where he of course feels loved because he was beforehand and like you say, he sort of made an yeah, impact yeah. on the first it, game it, back. It does seem like he's the type of player that needs he doesn't need the the strict disciplinarian. He needs somebody to put his arm around him and go, "Come on, mate, you've got this." Yeah. As you said, needs to feel loved because I think I think the fans wanted him to to be what we expected him to be and showed him a lot of appreciation when he when he came back from his trip to Holland to yeah. after he sorted his head out. The 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 applause he got when he came on, even for, the manager even was all love him to him when he came on. It's just, it's just bizarre. It's bizarre to me, in my opinion. But I'm not a professional football player. I don't know where the ins and outs of all that sort of stuff. I don't know the the pressure these days must be incredible. It must have been hard enough in your day, but nowadays, as we as we said, with everything online, you've got yeah. Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and then you've got people. For example, Harry Maguire. He's he's a meme. Like he must hate. Have like making one mistake that's somebody's made a four minute video of all his mistakes. It's like, yeah, I mean, it is. He's a good center half. Oh, 100%. I think, <laughs> he, like, and that, like, I think that shows his sort of resilience. Obviously, he suffered an injury, but came back and was probably yeah. United's best oh, he, player before getting Yeah, I agree. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. And again, and we'll, we'll use uh, Sancho as another, uh, as the as an example as well. There's, there's players that. Have been in Ten Hag's bad books. Um, Diego Dallo when he first got there, uh, Maguire, Varane at one point. All these yeah. players could have spat their dummies out and gone, "Well, I don't want to play then," but they haven't. They got their heads down and worked hard in training, worked hard when they got their their opportunity, and they've been some of the better players. Like I think um, statistically, going back to the stats that. We we agree that we don't really care about the stats, but Diego Dallas one Dallo is one of the most consistent players that we've got at the minute. 
at one point they were talking yeah. about they were talking about selling him. Wamba Saka. Yeah, and I think one. that is so many sort of variables to it, isn't there? I think what a massive challenge for Ten Hag has been finding the right eleven. Not always sort of mm. form. Sometimes so many injuries and that, and there's, there's not been that sort of consistency. And a lot of people say there's no sort of set style. You can't really see the, yeah, the brand yeah. of football and what they're trying to do, but it it must be so hard to do that when you're constantly changing personnel and there's different yeah, players yeah. coming. Not an excuse because you still think a club like Manchester United should be doing a lot better than they are, but you do feel if they do find some consistency within team selection, then results yeah. will follow. I, I, to- I totally agree because we, we haven't got a bad squad. We've had a lot of injuries. Um, I think we've had 10 separate back fours. Yeah, and that's that's crazy in itself. And I think the keeper needs to find his feet a bit more and be a bit more. Well, I, I, don't, I don't really know. Um, I'm still I'm still torn from the goalkeeper. If I'm honest, I don't think we should have got rid of De Gea personally. Um, yeah, I but, think uh, like, on that, I think like in terms, De Gea was an incredible servant at United. Like won the yeah. Player of the Year countless times. Very consistent. I think in terms of the way. That Ten Hag wants to play and he's not going to change. Yeah, it. Sort of I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, where De Gea probably wasn't that adept with his feet in terms of playing short and sort of. Which not... which is strange because when um when Sir Alex bought him, he was one of the better keepers in the league with his feet. Yeah, which is I think one of the reasons why Fergie bought him was because he was so good with his feet. He's a fantastic shot stopper. He was shit on crosses. I remember that. I remember watching him. At, I think it was against West Brom or so, or someone like that, because he got dropped for a number of games. Yeah, and it and it was basically because he just wasn't strong enough. Yeah, it's a, di- it's a different league, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think um, as well with the that just shows how much the the game has evolved in the time that the Hay has been yeah, in yeah. the league. Because now, like as you say, really. One of the better goalkeepers with his feet when he came, and that by the time his time at United came to an end, you've got sort of unfortunately the fellow yeah. at City who's so good, and that that's the, yeah. the level now. And Arna's incredible with his feet, not been brilliant as an actual goalkeeper so far, but you feel like the style that that Ten Hag plays that uh, he has been a massive part of that, of trying to play out from the back yeah. and sort of finding passes. Definitely. Definitely. So you you took a, a full circle. Obviously, you're from from Cambridge. You finished your career at Cambridge, am I right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a team that I supported growing up. That, so that must have, that must have been amazing. Incredible, yeah. To do it was something that I'm incredibly sort of proud of. It's something that I said I'd always do was to finish my career for, and play for Cambridge United, the team that I watched growing up. So to actually do it is something that that I'm. Delighted that I've done. Yeah, that that must be up there with some of the some of the achievements that you had. Obviously, Player of the Year at MK Dons, the Premier League Winners Medal, which is incredible. Um, and then obviously finishing your career at your your boyhood club must have been that must be up there. Yeah, I think in terms of obviously being a Manchester United player, when I look back now, it's sort of still sort of pinch myself to actually that I've done it to won a Premier League medal is incredible but probably as a young man didn't appreciate it as much as I would have as a as an older guy and I'm, like yeah, that's yeah. what 
Cambridge was. It was the end of my career and I was able to appreciate it because I'd sort of had the career that I'd had and then it was ending sort of Royal the Rovers style where I wanted it to at the club that I supported and then playing against Man United. It was like memories that are, that are so precious to have to been able to do that. Did you get did you get a nice warm welcome when you came back to Old Trafford? Yeah, I generally it was the first time I'd ever gone back as a player. I'd never played against Man United for the other clubs that I played for. And I generally didn't know <laughs> if anyone would even remember who I was. It had been <laughs> so long. But when I I remember playing in the game, I certainly didn't play particularly well. We got substituted when we were about when we were three 0 down, I think, with about half hour to go and got a stand innovation from the Cambridge and the Man United fans at Old Trafford and that one of them moments where the the hairs on the back stand up it was um like incredible to get that and something I'm very very grateful for as well yeah I bet I bet that must have been that must have been brilliant because obviously you're finishing your career at Cambridge you managed to get to go back to United as a as an opponent and and still get the plaudits from the fans because the fans don't forget if you're a loyal if you're a loyal player you love the club you've come through the ranks like yourself if you haven't basically shit on the fans in the club You'll always you'll always be welcome and loved. Um, I think there's only a handful of players that I've ever seen get like yeah. an aggressive return. One of them being uh, Di Maria from PSG. Yeah, uh, snake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you know you'll you'll always be loved by by United. I think. I think. The, the club and the fans especially, I know the fans get a lot of shit. You get a lot of people saying, oh, you're a glory hunter. You're a... It's like, well, not anymore. But, <laughs> you, you know, that's what I used to get as a kid because I'm from Hereford originally. Um, and, and growing up, they're like, oh, why would you support my United? Is it because they win everything? It's like, well, well, yeah. But no, <laughs> um, my my dad was a Man United fan. And uh, when he... When my granddad was stationed out in Malaya, I believe... Um, it was either Malaya or Malaysia. I'm not 100 percent sure. The only football team they heard of was Manchester United. Um, f- funnily enough, my actual grandparents were Arsenal fans, so I don't know why he didn't follow in their footsteps. Not but he, he saw them. He, he fell in love with the likes of George Best, uh, Bobby mm-hmm. Charlton, uh, God rest their souls, and yeah, he sort of uh passed that on to me. My brother, on the other hand, was like, "No, I'm not doing what you're telling me to do. I'm going to support." Arsenal <laughs> but yeah so I always got oh you're a glory hunter no I'm not um, or or you still always get how many times you've been to Old Trafford and during the night years I was like quite a lot actually <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's um, it's great and obviously what you're doing now is a, a fantastic project yeah so when I um, sort of finished playing when my career came to an end it was a, like a, a really challenging time in terms of so probably not prepared for my football career yeah. and not knowing what I was going to do next. Sort of lost a lot of identity of always being. I know, I, I know exactly how you feel about that. Being a being a military man yeah, when I when I, I left that. the military, I was like, I I don't know what to do. I went oh, yeah. to yeah, you're 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 quite lucky. You went into the to football side. I I literally went. I don't know how to transfer my skills into anything else. Yeah. So. I ended up doing security. That was the closest thing that I could do. <laughs> yeah, and I completely understand. But like similar for anyone who's been yeah, yeah. in the same career for a long period of time, then that comes to an end. So it went down 
the coaching route, done all my coaching qualifications because I wasn't that passionate about coaching, but I thought that's what old footballers do. <laughs> yeah, Got a yeah. job at, at Cambridge within the academy with the young players and never didn't enjoy it. I didn't, there was great parts to the job, but it, I didn't love it. I didn't enjoy going to work every day. I knew it wasn't something that I'd do for the rest of my life. At the same time, a couple of colleagues of mine, James Cutting and Johnny Martin, were moving away from the club and starting the, the football fun factory. I sort of spoke to them about it and sort of fell in love with the idea, the opportunity to sort of coach football and see children play football purely for fun it reminded me so much of when I started playing yeah. as a seven eight year old it weren't to become a professional footballer it was because I love knocking about with my mates I love yeah, playing yeah. and that's what the football fun factory is like giving children of all abilities the opportunity to play just for enjoyment in a pressure-free environment and using football because it is such a a powerful tool as a vehicle yeah. to to develop positive life skills just as much as football skills. So it's a really rewarding organisation to be involved in. I've, I've loved it, to be fair, since coming on board. I, lo I love that. I generally love that. So my um, my my youngest plays football. Um, she's she's actually quite a good little player. She doesn't really believe in herself very much. Yeah. And, uh, she, yeah she's a pain in the ass because <laughs> w w w when she's at football, she loves it. Yeah. Getting her to go to football. Oh yeah, I get that. I know. And uh, I, I'm at I'm at the uh, the stage <laughs> where I'm sort of I want her to go because I don't want to let her teams down, but also I don't want to force her and then her no, fall yeah. out of love with it. I'm like I don't want because she doesn't like watching football. She hates watching it. Yeah, just trying to get her to sit trying to get her to sit down and watch a game. She's like, nah, fuck off, dad. <laughs> um, even even uh, well, she broke my heart. So she used to be a Man United fan. Me and my dad used to get her the kits and all that, and then she it's sat over. and had a comp had a s sit in a chat with my brother-in-laws, and all of a sudden she is now an Arsenal fan. Arsenal flipping, eh? And I was like, for fuck's sake! But my my <laughs> my, my, my eldest is still. Don't worry, Dad. I'm a United fan. I'm like, yeah, you stick with you. Of course you are. Yeah. But yeah, trying to get her to go. Like tonight, she's got football training tonight, so hopefully I don't get all the the rigmarole uh, behind. Well, why, why did she tell me? Uh, she well, she's nine, so she's under tens. Okay. Um, yeah, but she oh, she doesn't even realise how good how good a defender she is. So she she plays in midfield. She's not the greatest passer of the ball. She still sort of stabs at the ball a little bit. She doesn't quite kick it properly. I call it a golf club leg. But anyway, yeah. but when she when she actually she sometimes goes back into centre half, which. She, it, it, Going back to old school, I don't think she's quite tall enough to be a centre half, but she's they're only playing seven aside, so it doesn't really matter. But the way she defends is she will shadow the player until they basically run out of space and the ball either goes out for a throw in or a. And I'm like, you have no idea how perfect defending yeah. that is to make someone lose the ball without actually putting in a tackle. She's like, but I didn't, I didn't do anything. I went, but you did. Yeah. Maldini used to say the best <laughs> best art of defending is not making a tackle. Yeah. It's like, and she's like, oh, okay. But yeah, so, some of the games she plays, I, I unfortunately, because of my work commitments, I don't get to watch as much as I want. Um, but I all I I will I watch her training sessions more than anything else. But that I'm that typical dad that's played football at a decent ish level 
So I'm watching some of these coaches. I'm like, well, you're not you get them to do something else. Like last last week, they were they were literally they were he was the the coach was doing the right thing. He's trying to teach him about space on the pitch, not to huddle up, find some yeah. space on the pitch. But you could see that the girls were getting bored and not really paying yeah. attention. And I was like, you've got to either split the group down, have another coach take them on, I don't know, a shooting drill or a passing drill, and then the other one take them through that. That way, they're all engaged. They're at the, they're, especially these days. Yeah, their minds, no, I think are, their, their minds are everywhere. Thing, isn't it? I think that's what it's all about engagement, isn't it? And regardless whether they're sort of getting anything out of it, you're trying to part as much knowledge as you can but unless the, the children are engaged they're not going to take that knowledge on on board and they're not going to enjoy it more than anything else I think that's the most important thing where I think at times as coaches we can take it too seriously yeah, and yeah. Try to so many coaching points out when in reality success of a training session is all the kids having fun yeah, yeah having fun yeah yeah having a smile on their face definitely you you touched on a very good point um a second ago when you're talking about the uh uh, your project that you're doing and it's about how football can teach you well it can teach you all the life lessons really 100%. Um, and how it helps uh, benefit mental health and things like that and uh, that's one of the reasons why I started my sort of side project which is my charity football team that I run um, funnily enough FC Granite Zero um, and basically we 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 support a uh, a cause called Rock to Recovery who help with uh, veterans of blue light services and uh, military deal with physical and mental sort of health problems along with a, a touch of financial problems but I don't know that side I, I know the physical and mental health um, and when I started the team I was like this is brilliant because one thing I missed most about uh, football is the locker room that, yeah, is, the, is the change rooms, the banter the just the enjoyment of we used to we used to go down the local pitch and just have a kickabout just to start it off, get our legs back into into football mode because that is a different fitness, by the way, people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we and just being in the in the changing room with the lads is is something else, and it just lifts you straight away into. Yeah. It, well, for me, it transported me back to. I was crazily. I started men's football when I was fourteen. I basically, basically, I I fell out with my my local manager, um, uh, for for my under fifteens or under sixteens team, and my dad went, oh, you can come come with and play with um, Matty Priest, who's a a, bl a bloke that um runs one of the local teams. And I was all right, and he put me on. He went, how old are you? I went fourteen. He went, well, today you're sixteen. So we yeah, had to yeah. we had to we basically had to lie, and that that changed me for forever. Just being in that environment, especially with the blokes, it's slightly different when you're in the kids' locker room. But in the in the yeah. in the men's, I was like, oh, these guys, these guys are all swearing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is crazy. But, yeah, but it's, it's brilliant. And, I think uh, that, yeah. that's it, though, isn't it, Tom? I think the um, like the social outcomes are so more powerful usually than the actual oh, definitely. game. Oh, the definitely. outcomes that come with it. Yeah, so uh, the first game we put on was against um, Spurs Legends, um, and they they genuinely were legends. I I took the piss at me. My my buddy uh, Chris, who's a Spurs fan, he was loving it. He he could tell you every player. I was like, Chris, I didn't even know you 
I suppose had legends, mate. I don't. I was like, <laughs> where, where, where's Where's Teddy Sheringham? Where's? <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was it. But you could also tell that they played. Yeah. That level, we were we were chasing shadows at some point. Some of these blokes were, well, almost sixty, probably. Yeah, well, at least late fifties. A lot of them, um, they were just passing through us. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. They were a bit cheeky though. They did have one of their youth. They had a youth goalkeeper in. Oh, flipping egg! Um, who absolutely? I I smashed the ball and it was headed into the stanchion. It was a screamer, and he just tipped it made it worldy. And I was like, this is this is a fucking piss take. Um, <laughs> and they had, uh, I, I jokingly said he's not the real Mark Hughes, but they had Mark Hughes uh, who had literally just retired, I think. Oh, and he was and he he was whipping around still. And I was like, this is a joke. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at the end of at the end of it, it was literally just after lockdown. Um, funnily enough, uh, we played just before England kicked off for the Euros final, so we had a fucking oh, hell of a night out. Hell of a night out. Uh, and then the second game we had was against um, Sands. Uh, these guys here, um, fantastic charity, fantastic cause. They, they 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 took the piss a little bit. They had some of their regular players in, where we're sort of scattered about the country and we sort of play in one game. But it was a hell of a hell of a game, hell of a hell of a get together. And at the end of it, we we, we got battered. Don't get me wrong, nine nil. I think it was. We haven't scored yet. Which is not very not very good for me, considering I'm supposed to be the the forward. But um, yeah. But at the end of the day, as you said, the result doesn't matter. No. We're 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 there for a reason. That's to raise money for these causes, and 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 it's brilliant. It's brilliant. brilliant. And jokingly, jokingly aside, before I, before I let you go, because I know you have got another call coming up. The lad said to me, and he went, "Oh, you got you got to ask him if he's available for the fourth of May." <laughs> Have you got no? You got another game coming yeah, up. Yeah, we got we got another game coming up. Um, it's a we're we're representing two uh, military charities, Rock to Recovery and Pilgrim Bandits. And uh, basically, what we're doing is my hometown, Hereford. One of the lads who played in my last game, uh, Biffo. He's a he's a he's a big he's a big character. He's a proper guy that you want in the in the changing room. He, yeah, he yeah. is. He, he's his man management skills are second to none when it comes to helping helping the lads and motivating the lads he's brilliant tactically yeah but <laughs> that sort of thing he's he's a top black and uh he was like i would love to organize a game with you and so it's basically um legends of hereford football so all the lads that played in the local prem sides and some of them played a bit higher up in the hellenic league and stuff like that they're playing my group of m- misfits um some of us veterans of uh, the military and, and blue light who, who, are, <laughs> who are running around. And they were like, cool. Can, do you fancy asking Chadders if he fancies a game? I was like, I can ask him. I can ask you him. Have, you haven't exactly um, sold it to me, Tommy, with the results that you've had so far. Hey. But, um, <clears throat> if you, um, hey, it, was a, it was only 6-0. It was only 6-0 against Spurs. If you um <laughs> drop me a message and I'll um I'll let you know, mate. I'm not. 100% yeah, yeah. Sure nah, like I what... thought you got to you got to ask, innit? Yeah, you got to ask. Don't ask. Don't get. Yeah, I don't Funny know much, if I am available. I don't know how much help I'll be. The old legs have went a couple <laughs> of years. Ago, no, put it this way: in the in the first game against Spurs, my my old man actually played. Um, he's our oldest player. Um, and my dad, fair to him, he played a decent level growing up in the in the in the sixties, seventies. 
in eighties. He played um oh, he played for some teams uh can't think of the top by Doncaster Rovers he played for, he played for oh, um Kidderminster Harriers, uh he had trials with Chelsea, West Ham, all that as a kid. Um yeah. and he was I believe he said that he was supposed to go to Watford and I can't remember the manager he was supposed to take. But funnily enough, the money side of it, he was actually going to get paid more to join the Air Force, which is what he yeah, did, than, yeah. than to play football. So he did that. Um, but anyway, long story short, he, he played. His dream was always to play alongside me and my brother. He played alongside oh, my brother. Um, yeah. And at 71 years old, I, I walked out with, with my old man behind me and then my brother behind him. And I was like, this is brilliant. Um, which is why which is why Spurs took the lead because they lobbed him. Oh. <laughs> uh, he made some he made some worldy saves in the warm-up and I think he yeah, he'd done, himself, he'd, he'd done himself in and he got lobbed and I remember it, so he got lobbed. He's gonna hate me for saying this. But he got <laughs> lobbed and as soon as the ball went over his head, you could see him walking off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, No, I'm coming off. But yeah, <laughs> it was brilliant. But yeah, I'll I'll ping you a message if if you're available. You feel free to join us. But if, if, yeah, if not, yeah, if I, I did once. I uh, I managed to get hold of uh, Ben Thornley. Oh, and, uh, we, we were going to do, I was trying to get my team versus Manchester United legends. Yeah. Until he, to, until he told me the price. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, you do know we're doing this for charity. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was extortionate. I was like, okay, we, we might not. And some of it, and, and uh, me being me, I was like, well, at that price, I would like at least four of the treble winning side in there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Luke, genuinely, thank you very much for your time. It's been my privilege and my honour to have you on as a United fan. It's great to have a United player. On, no on no worries at all. No worries, Tom. It's been a pleasure um, chatting to you, mate. No, cheers. And you have a good rest of your day. And... Uh, don't work too hard. No, I won't. Don't worry about that. <laughs> right, be careful. Stay safe. Take Cheers, care, buddy. Hello. You're at the adverts. So don't turn off. Don't turn off because I've got some good stuff for you. First up, going to talk about our sponsors. Kent CBD is our first sponsor. Now, CBD oil, as you know, has tremendous benefits, especially within mental health and physical health. Personally, I use it to help with my anxiety and my depression, but not only that, I also use it to help with the aches and pains of life in my joints, especially my ankles and my knees. Um, but yeah, without CBD oil, I would have still been on my antidepressant tablets, which I'm no longer on. So, you know, every cloud. And what we're going to do here at Granted Zero is we're going to give you 10% off everything from oil, muscle rub, jellies, bath salts, the lot, yeah? Make sure you get in there, www.kentcbd.org. Put in the promo code GRANITEZERO and get yourself 10% off. You are welcome. But also, if you're like me and you love a nice cup of coffee, now, for me, I only drink one coffee, and that's Green Beret coffee. Now, I don't only drink it because it's out of this world fucking coffee. Roast to order, grinded to whatever specific grind you want. But not only that, it's veteran owned and veteran run. 
which, you know, hits me right in the feels. So make sure you check it out, Green Beret Coffee. Get yourself a nice cup of coffee. I drink it dark, just like my soul. Incredible stuff, incredible stuff. And what I'm going to give for you, I'm going to give you 10% off. So once you get to the checkout, once you've got all your coffee, your products, your apparel, whatever you need, get to the checkout and put in the promo code GZPODCAST10 and get yourself 10% off, courtesy of the Granite Zero Podcast. You are welcome. Now, that's enough of me talking about this stuff. Back to the regular scheduled show. Check it out! (laughs) 